You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Drapitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right. This is going to come out after Thanksgiving, but we are recording this just a couple of days before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you wouldn't have said that, no one would have known. Known what? That it comes out after Thanksgiving? I think they would have known because it would have passed. But that we recorded it before. Mm-hmm. Either way, it would not have mattered in the setup. The people would have been like, this Thanksgiving was five days ago. Why are they talking uh, about this now? Okay. See what I mean? Yeah, right. I gotcha. So the all-important question, what is your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal? Stuffing for sure. Okay. What talk? Tell me a little bit about your. There's that's so broad because there's like stovetop, and mm. then there's like the kind that gets shoved in the butt of the bird. That's all mm. gross and weird when it comes out. And then there's Tammy's, mm. which is like handmade and unique. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your favorite go-to stuffing? Um, that's a good question. Tammy's is very, very good, but it's like more gourmet mm-hmm. and like. All right, so I have a like phobia about stuffing. Do you? Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm still learning new stuff about you. Let's have it. That there won't be enough. Oh, yeah. Um, and Because I, like, prefer my Thanksgiving meal to be, like, three parts stuffing, one part everything else put uh-huh. together. Yeah. And it's more, like, gourmet, and there's also, like, one tray. So mm-hmm. I have to, like, have only my share. Yep. And then lots of other things. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is, like... My favorite, but my favorite stuffing is the stuffing that there's an like, endless amount that like <laughs> Jesus could feed the 5,000 <laughs> with. Um, and so that is usually, and I haven't this year because we've been busy, mm-hmm. but typically around this time, and I think they sell it all year round. So I don't know why I only wait for this time of year, but typically this time of year, I buy one or or two boxes of the Trader Joe's cornbread stuffing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I make it basically to recipe, except I add like the, you know, the mirepoix or whatever that like, so that's uh, like diced up uh, celery, onion, and carrots. Oh, okay. Um, and that's what it's called at Trader Joe's. I think that's what like chefs call it, but mm-hmm. that's what it's called at Trader Joe's. And mm-hmm. it comes pre-diced up, which is yeah. handy that's and it's nice. not that yeah. expensive. Um and like chicken stock instead of water, and then I add like sage sausage, mm-hmm. and that becomes my meal for yeah. a couple of days. And I so, feel like you should maybe start a cooking podcast too. Uh, that it's, sounded awesome. It's delicious. Um, and anytime I've gone like home, or like the most recent time I was not with you guys, but with uh, my family on uh, Thanksgiving uh-huh. was with my siblings. Yeah. Um, uh, before my sister passed away and she knew like, uh, and we actually have like division on what we think is good stuffing in our family. Uh-huh. And so she likes, or well, her husband liked or likes the pulverized like crumb stuffing. Mm-hmm. That's not for me at all. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, 
that it's like a mass or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not, I don't think it's good at all. Yeah. I like the one that is like the cubes. Yep. Um, and so I, because I don't have a Trader Joe's by her, I like shipped her a few boxes ahead of time <laughs> and she made all the stuffing for him. All this. I mean, we had, there was stuffing and we were there for a few days. I had stuffing for every meal and there was still stuffing left over. That's my favorite kind of stuffing. Yeah. Not pulverized, but then as far as like the brand and all of that, I do like Trader Joe's, but I think they all use the same seasonings and spices. Like mm-hmm. Pepperidge Farm has one, as long as it's not the like, I don't know, sawdust kind, mm-hmm. that's not good. Yeah, but the cubes is good, and then like put some things in there. I like it to have the like, um, turkey. What is that called? The giblets or something like that? Giblets? Like, yeah. Like oh, all yeah. cut up the heart and the, nah, not the liver, that. but the gizzards and the heart and stuff in there too. Oh yeah. Oof. I know. I'm regretting this question. Weird, yeah. yeah. It just took a weird turn. <laughs> You're, so uh, there are several of those things that I, I just have to make it for myself because yeah. I know that will not be there on Thursday. Yeah. It Stuffing is one of the most interesting foods in that it really is something that by and large, with the exception of like what you're talking about, you only eat it like once a year, which is kind of weird. But you can have it anytime, anytime you, want. you want. But people the don't. The stovetop people would love for everyone to have it yeah. more often. I would. I would echo my wife's stuffing is my favorite. But since you already said that, I would also say, I've I've always liked turkey. Mm-hmm. I have felt pretty neutral to turkey until Tammy started making it um, when she started doing Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and that has become like I love that and. A lot, I think just maybe most people tend to really under season it. I just have always felt like it mm. oftentimes it's overcooked, so it's like hella dry. Yep. And it tastes like just dry, nothing mm. white meat. So I really like that as well. Yep. I don't know what else she's making, but it's all good. She brought up rolls. Zach brought up rolls. My brain doesn't like lock into the rolls. I'm sure they're delicious, mm-hmm. but she made them from scratch. Ava ate so many of them that she almost puked that night. The only thing I can think of is maybe I was unaware they were from scratch. You were probably too consumed with, is the stuffing going to run dude, out? <laughs> just if, if you can without me knowing, cause if I know I'll like not do it, uh-huh. but you need to just like, as other people go through the line, I'm going to have like one eyeball on like how much stuffing mm-hmm. did they take? Is this like their second helping? Well, like, I'm going to be giving oh, you man. the other eyeball because if you eat all the stuffing, I'm going to be pissed because I want it I too. won't. <laughs> I'm aware of this problem. I try not to go first as a result, <laughs> but I also try to make sure that like I've taken like the same size as whoever took the most amount. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. All yeah. right. I feel like we have wow, stolen really enough derailed. time from yeah. people. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. For sure. Well, last week we started a short series of conversations that we're having uh, about a reality that we've all become very well acquainted with over the last couple of years. So we're talking about leadership fatigue and, uh, and not just the kind of fatigue where it's like, I'm tired from a long Sunday uh, of serving. We all experience that weekly, but we're talking about the kind of soul weariness that really makes you wonder if you can keep going. And it's a huge part of the soul weariness that is leading so many to resign from positions altogether. And so last week we talked about some of the causes. So we talked about like unaddressed health issues, the, uh, your favorite, the unprecedented conditions mm-hmm. in which we're leading. That word came up in a major way again last week because of the Taylor Swift Ticketmaster debacle. Mm. They used it. Side note. I hate it. I meant to send you this like thing. I, I just have to, yeah. I have to derail. Um, do you know the odds are better? To get uh, into Harvard? Yes. Yep. 5% of the people interested 
to getting into Harvard do only 2%, 2% of those tickets. interested yeah. in getting it's yeah, thing. crazy anyway it's too soon uh so there <laughs> today so last week was all about the the um the causes of it and so if you missed that i would highly recommend that you go back and listen to that but today we're going to shift gears and talk about some of the symptoms of leadership fatigue because um i think that there's a number i, I feel like fatigue's kind of like a wall it's like you think you're, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then you hit this wall and you're like, I'm done. Mm. <laughs> uh, if, if you don't have a very high sense of like a practice of really paying attention and monitoring your inner world in particular, then oftentimes it's just this wall you hit and it's almost too late at that point. Mm -hmm. So to that end, the question that we're putting in front of people today is like, how much of this is, uh, how do I know if I'm living with this? How do I know that I have some degree of leadership fatigue? So we're mm -hmm. going to talk about the symptoms to pay attention to. Make sense? Yeah. All right. It. So I'll kick us off. Most of these are start with a D, just so you know, because um, I'm a nerd. So the first one I would call daydreaming. And uh, by daydreaming, I mean, it's, it's when you start thinking about what it would be like to do almost anything other than what you're currently doing. And I've experienced this a number of times. And I've, there was a time where I was like, I, I, I think I could own a CrossFit gym. Or mm. I think I, I mean, I've had days bad enough and I'm like, making, making lattes was not that bad, mm. even though. I really was so sick of that at the end, but just that sense where you start to think about what are other things that I could be doing because I'm so tired of what I am doing. Does that make mm. sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you squinting at me about? Well, I feel like you should daydream better. Yeah. My daydreams suck. <laughs> you either work at <laughs> Starbucks or you work out for a living. Both of those things suck. Mine is I would be living in New York on Broadway. Oh yeah, that's my see. But I'm day. I, I'm I'm more daydream in the practical, in that I could do that. Mm. Oh yeah, he's giving me eyes right now. For those of you listening, mm. that he's like, I could be on Broadway tomorrow if I, I wanted to. I made some choices in life. I'm just saying, <laughs> I could have made others. That's all. That's all. I'm gonna let's just move on. So, mm. but but have I mean, are there like I know running my XP's been hard. You've helped mm -hmm. run formation through the last you know chaotic three years. Mm -hmm. There's certainly been times where you've thought like. I could genuinely go do something else. Yes. Yeah. And it's Broadway. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's not like, so maybe what you're looking for is like an immediate pivot. I guess mm -hmm. I don't know what I would do immediately. Mm -hmm. Mine is like, I want to be able to rewind life uh, and like take a different path. It's sort of like choose your own adventure. Sure. Like you like, which is like, definitely a form of daydreaming. Yeah. You like kind of go back to the like point in the book where you took the wrong. Yeah. Like, adventure you had two different paths to take and you took the wrong one yeah i just think about like i should have just that's done interesting that i think that's an interesting point because i i would say from my perspective i have daydreamed in the sense of i don't like because i hear what you're describing as like almost regret like if i could go back i would do it different mm -hmm. i don't have that as much as like i don't I, I don't think i would redo very much i just would do things different going forward mm. But I think that's interesting because it could come from both points where you might look back at the whole thing and go, I did make choices I wish I would have made differently that did not lead me to where I am right now. And I guarantee lots of people feel that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think because otherwise and maybe mine is less. Mine is more. Uh, I don't know if I want to say cowardly because it's about myself. But like I feel like if you change 
what you're doing right now, there's like all kinds of people who get hurt. Mm-hmm. But if you rewind and just make different choices, true. most of those people you never even met. Yeah. They don't even know you exist. Yep, so. That's very true. Yeah. I think another one is uh, dread. Mm. Um, so you just don't know how you're going to get through the next day, the next week. You don't find joy in anything. You don't find joy in people. Mm-hmm. You are extra irritable all mm-hmm. the time. Like you just like, it's just like, ugh, mm-hmm. you know, the whole like. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms and that like mm-hmm. a children's book or something like that. Something I think, like that, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I just think, um, and I think that's one that has just like the idea that what the way things are is the way they will be forever. And full disclosure, uh, this is probably the one that resonates the most with me mm-hmm. because it is not changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been like, even when I was trying to like think through, the way I've felt as of late, like, like we can like rewind it back to almost like a year to this exact time frame, mm-hmm. and it has been difficult. Like mm-hmm. walking uphill in like a muddy, snowy situation mm-hmm. for that period of time. This so this exact week a year ago, I was smack dab in the middle of what probably felt like emotionally the darkest season for me. Sure. Ministry-wise. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it does. You were uninvited to come to church. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. For everyone's benefit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And so I just think that since then, you know, and of course leading up to then and COVID and all that kind of stuff, but I think for sure since then um, it's just the idea that, like, things are getting better or going mm-hmm. to change just don't that just feels like work mm-hmm. and difficult and hard mm-hmm. and I think looking at things that especially because you mentioned the word joy I think a, a, a real sign of of this sort of fatigue thing is like when the things that once did bring you joy you now dread that's like a major red flag mm. so like I, I think about like I've had seasons where one of the aspects to my job that brings me the most joy is teaching. And I've also gotten to a point at times where um, when I think about the notion of having to craft another series, write another sermon, preach it, like I just feel dread about that. I had a moment a couple of months ago sitting in the front row during worship and feeling this deep sense of dread. Like mm-hmm. I just, the, the notion of getting up and doing this again. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a really important symptom to pay attention to when something that once was a source of joy is now a source of dread. Mm. You're for sure pretty fried. Yeah. And so that's something to be a pe- paid attention to. Yeah. Um, I would say one thing that comes out of that is this next point, which um, I would call dodging, which is where you start to avoid as much as you can. To do so, if there is um, initiatives or issues that require leadership and you're avoiding it, if there are difficult decisions that need to be made, if you're avoiding decisions in general, decision fatigue is a major sign of, of this that you're just like, I can't make one more decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time, it gets so bad that it can even be small decisions. Um, but if you just start to avoid the, the difficult conversations, the things that need to be done, it's probably a pretty good sign that you're feeling pretty wiped out. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think another one is um, 
despair, uh, just kind of that underlying sense of hopelessness. I think this despair and dread are pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, dread is that, like, in the moment feeling, and despair is that, like, overarching. Yeah, Yeah. belief that it's not going to change. So it's sort of. Uh, you know, they're they're definitely like cousins at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I was even comment commenting to you earlier. I think right now people are so in need mm-hmm. of hope. You yeah. know, and there's just been a lot of very difficult and that kind of thing. And even uh, just announced late last night, uh, the Disney company has replaced their CEO and gone back to the one that they had for 15 years who retired. The Messiah. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, and I think that we'll see, you know, yeah. but uh, you know, for sure, if the internet is anything to be believed, like it, like, like I'm, I'm a Disney fan. And so the, the things that I follow and listen to, like the internet broke last night, kind of like the mm-hmm. Taylor Swift thing, mm-hmm. but just in my neck of the mm-hmm. world. <laughs> did, did you pay attention? Did their stock jump today? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, for sure. But I think, you know, I've had different people because I know that I like follow the company ask me like, mm-hmm. so, so why? Because it's a huge deal. As, as a matter of fact, I don't follow all companies by mm-hmm. any means, but for a company of this kind of notoriety to do something like that in such a public way and all of it's just shocking. And I think genuinely people have such a need for hope and that company for as long as it's existed has been responsible for helping people feel hope and magic and all Mm -hmm. of the things that it does. And their current CEO or well now their ex CEO, Mm -hmm. he just really robbed that company of the ability to instill that. He um, literally looks like Kingpin. Oh, he does for sure. I mean, <laughs> from the Daredevil he, yeah, comics. He does. He, he, I mean, and all he cared about was money. Yeah. He said some horrible things about loyal fans, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And so he really just was stealing. And obviously, the company was still able to do some great things. And so people were still spending their money. Yeah. But um, I, I think. To me, and I'm not in the boardroom, so Mm -hmm. I don't know, but to me, that company has always cared about its reputation, and truthfully, he really is responsible for a company that, like, has the reputation it does for being able to give people some kind of hope, even in the midst of a really, like, Mm -hmm. difficult season, Mm -hmm. and he just had to be replaced, and so I think that that need for hope is so important even right now uh, that I think that idea of just feeling despair is, is rough. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's hard to uh, get over, especially when things don't feel like they're changing. Mm -hmm. There, there is like, I find hope and despair to be such fascinating realities because it's incredible what people can endure with even the smallest amount of hope. Sure. And it is, um, amazing how completely debilitating de- despair is. Like yeah. it's probably one of the most dangerous places. To, I mean, people die by suicide because of despair. Like yeah. you get to a point where like you are, your, your heart, your mind, your body are void of hope. Yeah. And I've lost family members and friends to that. And that's the common denominator in those two things. It's just yeah. this place of, and, and, and it's, it is very, it's very, very dangerous. So I might just in a, a real serious moment, if there's any part of you that does feel a, a real sense of despair, you need to tell somebody that mm-hmm. soon. Like, don't carry that on your own by any means. Yeah. Um, the last thing I think I'd say is what I would just label as self-destructive behavior, you know, um, and so I think that that can take a lot of different forms. One of the things I think that you said a few minutes ago before we were 
recording that I think you should talk a little bit about is just this. So self-destructive behavior can take a bunch of different forms. It can mm-hmm. even it can even be good things taken to an extreme. So you start to, you know, all of us self-soothe, you know, like self-soothing sure. is a way that we get through life. And, but if you self-soothe with an excessive amount of food and alcohol, two things mm-hmm. that in moderation can be fine, taken to an extreme can kill you dead. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be very self-destructive. And there's a million different forms that that can take. But one of the things I, that you said earlier that I thought was interesting is the way sometimes that we dust justify These self-destructive behaviors, which is this sense of like, well, I work so hard. I do so much. I deserve this. Yeah. So maybe just elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think because you had mentioned, you know, like whether it be especially people in ministry, uh, you know, like um, choosing to like – dabble in pornography or to, you know, steal steal from from their ministry or something like that as a way to like, um, ensure that they get fired because they are unwilling to quit. And I don't know that that's always the motivation. I think sometimes it's people feel like, you know what, like no one's appreciating me. No one's what. And so then I'm, I'm due whatever it might be. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's, you know, a pass on something that I shouldn't get a pass on Mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think that, um, that can be one of the way you just feel like, oh, I just like, I just need, you know, you're looking for that, like, um, you know, temporary, uh, relief or temporary, uh, pleasure, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, um, will, uh, justify it in your own mind based on what you're walking through or the season you're in or something like that. Yeah. And I do think, I do think helping people understand that because I, th- I think in, in certain streams of faith, we want to label everything is, is like there are, there is righteousness and there is sin and mm-hmm. that's it. And the truth is that, which is true, but doesn't always take into consideration the emotional complexity of what goes into those two things. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's really important for people to understand that even self-destructive behavior most of the time is an attempt at self-soothing. Like mm-hmm. I'm there, I, I, I'm living with some pain, some hurt, some discomfort, some wound that I, I don't want to feel the pain or the discomfort of that anymore. So I yeah. do this other thing. Everyone, like you do that from infancy on, like you learn how to do that. It isn't in and of itself, self-soothing is not wrong. It's when it becomes like destructive and destroys you that it becomes problematic. But I do think a good question for people to sit with and reflect on is like, what, what am I trying to soothe? Like, what am I trying to not feel? What am I trying to bury? What am I trying to stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think to just come at it, at it as what sin do I need to repent of? That's a really good question. Sure. But I think not taking it like this, what Jesus was so masterful of in the gospels is getting to the heart of what is beneath like the actual behavior. Totally. And I think to just look at the behavior and to figure out how do I control this and modify it misses the heart of what it is that's driving it. Totally. So those are a handful of symptoms that, um, that, we've both experienced would encourage you to take a look at because to just wait till you hit this breaking point and you're done in whatever form that might take is, is unnecessary. Like we can pay attention to these symptoms. That's like, if you think about it in terms of like, uh, medicine, you go to a doctor, hopefully you 
pay attention to symptoms, you catch something early on and it can be dealt with before it destroys you. And I think that this can be exactly the same. So really take some time to sit with these five or six things that we talked about, how many of them are there. And then next week, uh, we're going to have a conversation about how to best steward this fatigue that we're all experiencing. It's just a matter of degrees. Yeah. So we'll be back next week to talk about that. And yeah. then we're going to take think, the rest of December off. Yeah. And I think if we can make it work, we should do it with Zach. He's here. We can come up with an hour. We should maybe figure it out. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know if I want to do any work while he's hmm. here, but we'll see. So maybe we'll have Zach. Maybe we won't. But I think we did decide that this is happening after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will circle back on the stuffing fiasco. Yeah, and for talk sure. about how that went. So thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And as always, we'd love to connect with you on social media if we haven't already. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.